Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Soulfulpreneur Talk Radio with your hosts, Rachel Archelaus and Megan Grandelmeyer. Merging spirituality and business on the Enlightenment Evolution Network. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another Soulfulpreneur Talk Radio. Hope you're all doing well out there. I am Rachel Archelaus, and I'm here with my co-host, Megan Crendelmeyer. Hello. <laughs> She's in Connecticut. I'm in Phoenix. We are representing the United States. And today we're going to talk about what happens after you die. Um, it's all about the afterlife today. We'll be introducing our first book club book for 2015, which is The Last Frontier by Julie Asante, who we'll be speaking with next month. So add that to your Amazon wish list or get it for your Kindle and read it up. And then you have the chance to talk to the author about it. You can ask her questions, get some clarity. The book is so thorough on the topic of the afterlife. Um, Me and Megan are going to talk about it a little bit, but really just give you an intro today to the topic, which is, you know, what happens after you die? What happens to the consciousness of the person Do they live on? What is it like? Megan and I both have our own experience with this, and we'll be sharing what we've learned over our lifetime. And we welcome you. If you want to get in on the conversation, you can call 347-308-8788. You can ask us a question. You can just tell us your experience, if you've ever had a loved one come to you after they've died, or even someone you don't know. We would really love to hear about it. So get on the phone and press 1 if you want to talk. Uh, Megan and I are part of the Enlightenment Evolution Network here on Blog Talk Radio. And you can learn all about the shows on this network at um, their Facebook page, Enlightenment Evolution Network on Facebook. And at the end of the show, I'm going to play some announcements so you can learn about all the upcoming shows. And we just want to say that... um, any opinions expressed on Soulful Printer Radio by us or our guests do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Enlightenment Evolution Network. And, yeah, so let's get started for today. Megan, this is a really big topic. <laughs> it is a big topic. And, um, you know, the topic of death in general has um, has been something that has sort of haunted me almost I'll use the word haunted right my whole life um I've always been uh fascinated with it and concerned I definitely had a a a fear of death and I'd say I'm better about it but I wouldn't say it's completely gone um but yes even since I was a child and and it's interesting because I do remember a time when I maybe wasn't fearful or didn't quite know what it was. And I remember talking to some friend and I was young, I was maybe seven or eight. And I said, you know, I think when you die, you, you know, everything. That was my theory. And I was this little kid, but I had this theory that like when you died, you understood the cure for cancer and you understood everything. And and I'm not sure why I, I thought that way when I was so little, um, but I, yeah. And then I, I just remember the fear kind of growing, I think, because my mom always watched soap operas and there was always somebody dying. And so there was always somebody mm-hmm. laying in the hospital bed with the, the hookup and, and the beeping monitors. And I distinctly remember becoming fearful of certainly of getting some sort of illness and, and seeing somebody in a hospital bed like that. Isn't that funny how that affected me so much? At a young age, it's interesting when you look back. Mhm. Yeah. So, yeah. And I love your your young girl clarity. That's just great. I think a lot of children have that, you know. Um, yeah. I certainly hear from a lot of parents who have, you know, tales of what their three year old says and how they recognize pictures of 
their relatives that they've never met, you know. We 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 hold on to a lot of our clarity when we're little and it's only because it's kind of socialized out of us that we forget. Yeah, I you know, if only I could go back in time to when my daughter was two, three years old and, and learning to talk and, and she even had an imaginary friend and, you know, darn it. <laughs> now I wish mm-hmm. I could go back and really, you know, ask her a little bit more about about that friend or, or you know, do you ever remember being big or, you know, things like that. I think it's, it's, um, it's interesting what kids come up with now and they truly seem to recall um, other existences. But uh, mm-hmm. from my understanding is by when you're seven or eight or so, that really starts to fade and the conditioning of our society starts to really take effect. And and then most of the time, those discussions kind of stop with, with kids um, mm-hmm. in our Western culture. Now, you know, in places where they have very strong belief in reincarnation, they can cultivate that more, uh, which is interesting. So apparently, you know, I chose this existence to be baffled <laughs> the whole time. <laughs> yeah. So. so how did you come into, how did you flip around? So you told us that, you know, growing up, you kind of developed this fear of death and it grew. How did you then get interested in learning about, you know, the afterlife? And what brought you to Julia's book? Well, definitely, uh I've talked about this before on other shows, you know, five, six years ago, I started to go through some kind of transformation and some change in perspective and how I looked at everything. And I had a bit of a feeling of being unsettled or unfulfilled. There there was something I had a, everything was okay. My personal life and good marriage, beautiful daughter, but there was this something nagging me. And I know that one of the things nagging me was this fear of death. And and I was finding it exhausting basically. And I decided just to face it. And I, you know, did what every computer science nerd does and jump on Google. And I started looking into like fear of death, just started to poke around and see what was out there. And it led me eventually to Julia and I can't quite recall how I found Julia. I do remember listening to uh, a radio show interview and she was being interviewed by someone who had had a near death experience. And so the topic was all about death and dying and near death experiences and, and NDEs as they're called are kind of a gentle way of looking into death because the person came back and they didn't die but they had you know come back with some really interesting um, experiences um, and so that is sort of how I got led it was facing this fear of death and just looking into it and and boy wasn't I kind of shocked at, at some of the information that I learned because I think I had this dreadful feeling like is it a light switch and we just we exist and then oh you're just turned off never again and and I think that was my fear but intuitively I suspected that wasn't correct and so I finally allowed myself to just explore and it led to Julia's book who and for for me coming from much more analytical you know kind of sciencey background um, I really like Julia's book because it is a an academic-ish approach to to looking at death and the fear of death and the afterlife and near-death experiences and reincarnation. Um, she just writes from this perspective of being so well educated. She's such a historian in um, in this whole topic that she brings all sorts of factual research and information and in addition she's a psychic medium herself so then she brings in these personal stories so it's a it's a really interesting read um, because there's a mix of both scholarly information and then just really cool stories yeah i think that would be super helpful for people who are just coming into this and are maybe a little um skeptical or 
unaware of how they feel about it, you know, because there is such a balance there of, um, like, scholarly research and firsthand experience. And and even in the introduction, they, they kind of bring up the point of how those things don't normally go together, how a scientist isn't normally a medium as well. And I thought that was really helpful for people who are feeling that way going into the book. Like, they're not really sure about what they're going to find there, but, you know, the the person who writes the introduction makes a really good case for why it's a good idea. Yeah, absolutely. And certainly I was guided to the book uh, probably by a guardian angel or, or <clears throat> higher self, and it, and it was. It's the perfect book for somebody who is perhaps a bit skeptical you know, what is all this about psychic stuff and after death communication and mediums and, you know, is this stuff real or not? And Julia just presents it in such a way that um, if if you have an open mind, you're like, yeah, there is more going on here than we realize. And she presents it in a very understandable way. Um, and she even, uh, Julia in her book at the beginning says she she's asking us to be pioneers in this, in this discussion about death and and the afterlife, because she feels that it's just not talked about enough, and it's very true because it is the one thing all of us have in common, right? We may mm-hmm. be different races, we live in different countries, we speak different languages, but everybody is born and everybody dies, and in Western culture here in the United States, it's just not talked about much at all. Yeah, it's like yeah. we avoid it, you know. Yeah. Um, it's it's funny because just yesterday my boyfriend asked me if I wanted to be buried or cremated. Mm. And and I said that I either wanted to be cremated or donated to science, you know, like my whole cadaver. Mm-hmm. Just, there are places in the country where they'll just put you out in the, in the woods and just, you know, watch you <laughs> decompose and um, that's what you know, forensic scientists use as kind of their lab and, and all sorts of things. And I thought that would be cool because I love being in nature so much. Why not just lay me out there? And and he's a little um, turned off by that. He said that he wouldn't want to experience decomposing. Mm. And so he still puts his consciousness with the body after it dies. Whereas mm-hmm. I feel like it's a liberation of consciousness when you die. And so it does affect how we think and feel on an everyday basis, but we just really don't express it very often. Wow. That's an interesting conversation you had with him. <laughs> so so it, do you think that he's more of a, a believer in the light switch? Like we're here when we're here and when the body stops, it, it's all or nothing? Well, that's what I originally thought. And that's what he's told me in the past. But since he's afraid of, you know, what happens to your body after it's out in nature, right, like, you know, Mm -hmm. worms and all sorts of things happen, Mm -hmm. um, I would imagine that he's he's at least open to the possibility that there's something else. Yeah. Right? Because if it just lights off, then you wouldn't be attached to what happens to your body. Right. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I I think that um, one of the things that's always confused me about my fear of it is that, well, if it is a light switch, I'm not going to know. <laughs> so why mm-hmm. am I afraid? <laughs> I wrestle with this all the time. So I think it, it there must be some intuitive knowledge in me that says it's not. It's it's not a, a not knowing anymore. It's not an annihilation. Um, Mm -hmm. that there is more. So perhaps it's just more of the fear of the unknown of what it is versus, yeah, it being a light switch. I don't know. Yeah. So I worked as a medium for a really long time. And what I tended to notice was that people weren't necessarily afraid of dying. They were afraid of two things, of pain while it was happening and of the cessation of their identity. So, like, okay, sure, my soul will live on, but, you know, Jane, as the world knows her, won't be there. Like, 
there will be no legacy for that person. And I think that's the biggest fear because our ego, of course, wants to live on and be celebrated and have statues created. But for the, you know, for most people, that's just not really going to happen. You'll have your family and your friends who remember you, but as a whole, that personality who lived will no longer be. And I think that's the big fear. That's like what what we're afraid of. And that brings mm-hmm. up bigger questions like, did I do enough? Did I follow my purpose? Did I help enough, help enough people? Um, did I make this really worthwhile? Did I fulfill what I wanted to fulfill? I think that's, that's a big part of it, too. It's just that never seems to bubble up to the surface. We just get stopped by the fear. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah, that is uh very true about like the ego and and the ego wanting to survive and Julia talks quite a bit about that in her book. Um and how um the ego does survive and while it may mm-hmm. not play as big a role in an afterlife existence, it that piece of you is a part of you. It's just it's more magnified in the physical because it's keeping us safe and letting us navigate and and know to you know seek shelter on a cold day and all that. But um, but that aspect lives on as well. So yeah, yeah, and that's you know that's what people experience when they go get readings. That mm-hmm. that personality part will come back and interact with you. And and I think that's, you know, that's what people are really looking for when they go seek a medium. They want to know that their mom or their, you know, father or their children are okay. And and it, it's so funny. Um, I never had a fear of death because I grew up, you know, not really seeing much of a difference between dead people and alive people, you know. Um, well, you did have the advantage. Of yeah. dead people, so they weren't exactly dead in our yeah. in the way we use that word. Like I think we use the word "dead" to mean like gone forever. Mm-hmm. And you didn't yeah, experience me, that. They were just it was in a they were in a different state, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I can't really relate to people who, uh, you know, have that fear. And, you know, when my, when people died when I was younger, I was a little sad, of course, because I couldn't, you know, sit on their lap anymore or, you know, go for walks in the traditional sense, but, you know, but I could talk to them. And I often found that I was a lot closer to my relatives after they passed than beforehand, just simply because there was no separation of space. You know, like if my great aunt lived in Missouri I wouldn't really see her very often, but after she died, she could come over whenever we wanted. So it was really interesting, and I'm really grateful for that experience um, because I think it really did kind of shelter me from a lot of the trauma that goes along with death in this country. You know, we don't really celebrate people after they die. We kind of um, dismiss it, and we just feel sad when the anniversaries come around and of course, I feel sad about people who have died. I'm not immune to that kind of humanness, but uh, I also have the great advantage of being able to make new memories with them. Yeah. Like, um, isn't, here's isn't an example. I was in my house in Milford, and my grandmother had just passed away after being sick for a very long time. So she was basically bedridden. She had COPD. She had um, she had cancer, and you know could barely walk, let alone do any kinds of vigorous activity. And so, her sister died shortly after she died. And I was sitting on my couch, and she and her sister ran through my living room with their hands held just like two little six-year-olds you could picture, like in a field, running, skipping through this field. And just that image alone just sent me, I was so overjoyed at her 
showing me that, and I was so moved. You know, I was just crying, and it was so touching. But that's the power of death. You know, if you can reclaim your best moments, you can be healthy again. You can feel good again. You can kind of get out of this life trap that we often create for ourselves for good reason. You know, it's not like anything we experience here is innately bad, but to see that in her really, really moved me. And it was a really powerful moment. Wow, that's a special moment. Thank you for sharing yeah. that. Yeah, I don't think mm-hmm. you've told me that story before. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So isn't it funny how we came together? And I always say we're the odd couple, right? We're Felix and Oscar. <laughs> Because here I am, you know, plagued from a young age with this fear of death and had, you know, interesting little mystical things happen to me throughout my life that have always made me, you know, question. But for the most part, until recently, you know, was pretty locked down and you have the opposite experience. So (laughs) it makes it fun to talk about it. Yeah. Oh, Um. So I do want to talk a little bit more about the book, but we do have someone on the line that um, has a question, I think. So should we take that, Rachel? Yeah, that's great. Go for it. It's uh, a 619 area code. Hello. Hi there. My name's Donna. Hi, Donna. Donna. I didn't know if you were doing doing, uh, readings or not. Is Is this just a topic that you're discussing or? Oh, oh, you can ask a question. Sure, we can oh, chime yeah. in for you. Oh, sure. right. well, I don't really have a. Um, I just need a. Um, just if if there's any if there's anything that needs to be said or that could be helpful for me right now, that would that would, that would be great. Well, the first thing I'm feeling is like the the guides around you are have been doing their best to give you a sense that you're secure and loved. So I don't know if you went through some kind of trauma, but I'm feeling like you have this, you're like depleted of love. You need just piles of hugs, and that's what they're showing me that they're trying to do for you. So if you ever do get a moment where you can just sit down and allow yourself to feel what they're doing for you, allow yourself to feel hugs and love, that'll help you because... You have big things to create, and and this sense that you have to do it alone or this sense that you're depleted is keeping you from going ahead with your work. Right. Have you felt that from them? Yeah. Well, I mean, I I mean, I yeah, I mean, the feelings were valid. Um, but yeah, I mean, it seems like when I when I do think that I I mean. I when I think that I have those emotions for some reason, just something kind of um, I am overcome with just a sense of peace. So it's kind of comforting when I, because mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it's, yeah, I do sense that 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 they're around. So it is nice. Has anybody else? Are you know? allowing yourself to really accept it? Because um, it yeah. almost sounds like you're you're brushing it off a little bit. And maybe no. you're not, but that's just what I get from your voice. I mean, I believe that it's true. I just wish that I that I um that I would see the signs, you know, like maybe sense them being around, or maybe maybe I just I'm not looking, you know, I'm not. Maybe they are giving me signs. I'm just not able to see them right now. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, they love to be interacted with. So having a conversation with them, like, this is wonderful. Thank you. I'm really grateful for these feelings. I I validate that you're doing this, but I want more, you know. And then give yourself the chance to to see it. So take a walk specifically looking for signs. Oh, okay. And, yeah. And, Megan, you have a great story about signs. Do you want to talk about your signs and how they multiplied when you started looking for them? Oh, sure. So, yeah, um, a couple of years ago, especially when I was working with Rachel and stuff too, uh, I had a, a lot of signs and synchronicities start to happen. And just don't dismiss there is no such thing as a coincidence. Um, so start to even keep a journal 
of interesting little things that happen, little things that you think may be a sign and and ask for more. And that seemed to work for me. I mean, I had days where I think it was the the symbol of on a car, on an Audi car, that logo has like four circles linked together and it's almost like an infinity sign. And I started to see Audis everywhere. And one day I had this, um, and I, I knew that. I knew that Audi meant something, and I would just see them. And one day I actually saw a red Audi when I first walked out to my mailbox. I was heading out for the day, and I saw this red Audi, first car that went by my house. I'm like, okay, oh, that's neat. There's Okay. So then I pull out of my driveway, and I'm taking a right, I turned down, and another red Audi passed me. And then another red Audi passed me. And I was like, that's really weird. And then when I got to my meeting, I was meeting someone for the first time. I was meeting her for coffee. And we had this great conversation. We actually got on a spiritual topic. She was really connected like I was. And when we walked out of our Starbucks in our meeting, what kind of car did she drive? A red Audi. <laughs> and so to me, it was like a sign from my guides that I was in the right place, that things are moving along. I had this new friend that was really open and like talking about these things. So um, I just thanked my guides and and just went on from there. So I, it seems like when you start to recognize and cultivate and ask for more, they start to flow. Okay. I will try that. Definitely. Thank so. you. Yeah. 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 And for you, I'm feeling like they keep showing me a TV screen. So I don't know if you're going to get your signs to the TV or if your part of your work is through TV, but um, pay attention to that. Okay. <laughs> I will do that because I do watch a lot of TV. <laughs> cool. So, I just I and just the one thing when um you started speaking was I do you like comedy and humor like are are you a fan of stand up or I, I, yeah, I mean I don't go out and speak it but I I mean who doesn't like who doesn't like, you know, comedy? Yeah. I just sure had the sense that you need more of that. Yeah. That's probably true. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. That sounds great. That's very helpful. Awesome. Thank you so much. Well thanks so much for calling. Thanks Thank for calling. You. Thank you. Bye bye. 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 So oh she was sweet. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, yep. guys, guys love to be interacted with, so that's so wonderful that you're, you know, she's already feeling them and um, and wanting more. Yeah, yeah. So awesome. she just needs to, yep, just nudge that along and just ask for more. So, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, they can be quite humorous. So, um, so anyway, well, so Julia's book, The Last Frontier. Um, it's broken into four sections with chapters in each. So I just thought I'd just let our listeners know for people who are interested in reading the book that um, her first section in the book is going to be about evidence of survival. Um, and she has a one great line that I'll share from the book that said that even, you know, all the skeptics in the world um, don't believe and scientists who believe that there's that, our awareness, our consciousness is just a byproduct of chemical activity in the brain and all that. She says in her book that no one has ever proved that we don't go on living, right? Like we're always mm-hmm. trying to prove that we do, but no one's ever proved that we don't. <laughs> and I was, you know? <laughs> yeah. That's, that's an interesting perspective. So, um, yeah. It, it so is an int- I've never heard that before, you know, before her and, I love that this, you know, our culture wants to be scientific because if we look back, we can see a lot of folly. Like when, you know, people first came to this country and they thought that tomatoes were poisonous. Tomatoes aren't really poisonous. They're considered a nightshade, but to the general population, tomatoes are amazing. Um, So I get wanting to be really, uh, you know, actual about everything but i think we can take it a little too far (laughs) yeah because as you'll read i mean there's so much evidence that points to the fact that we survive and and i think that if every single person 
just gave us their one little thing of like, oh, well, I heard my nephew say this, and he could not have possibly known that. Or I was visited by my husband after he died. Or, you know, I think every single person alive probably has at least one little anecdote. And and that says a lot. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, Julia even says that she wants all of us to become independent thinkers when it comes to death and the dead. And and she says to just form your conclusions based on your own intuition and your own mm-hmm. experiences. And that's so true, you know. And I think we all have had them. We just don't talk openly because we think that people will think we're crazy. <laughs> but we're not. We're just experiencing things that are are through other senses. Yeah. So, yeah. Um and so she she talks quite a bit about reincarnation too. Um and that topic I knew what it was, I'd heard of it and all, but I've done, you know, a bit of reading about it now and and um it that's a fascinating topic right right there. What what are your thoughts on reincarnation? Have you had a sense that you were here before or what are your theories? Yeah, I mean, I I think my views on reincarnation have grown over time. I used to believe that, you know, we had one life and then we died and then we went into a different life and then we died. And since time doesn't really exist, I believe we're all we're having all of our lives simultaneously. You know, we're just all playing out every possible version of ourselves in one life and all the other lives we're living all at the same time. And and also that, you know, we have various states of of being who we are. It's going to get a little complicated, but if you believe in the oversoul, um, which is kind of like, you, you know, think about how a spider looks with its big body and then it has its eight legs. Well, instead of just having one soul per incarnation, you can be part of what's called an oversoul, which is like that body of the spider where there's lots of souls in there, and they they each have their own life. So one life would be a leg, and then the whole group would be part of the spider's body. And so you're kind of like living in a little commune of souls, but you're all experiencing oneness. And then those legs are the individuated parts of that. And so if you, you know, if you're one of the legs, then you'd almost feel like a cousin to the other legs if you met up in real life. And I've had that experience happen where I have met my so-called cousins in life. And it's just all very interesting. And I think we can make it as complicated or as uncomplicated as we want. But, yeah, I do believe that we have more than one identity to our soul. Hmm. Yeah, Julia definitely talks about that uh topic of the oversoul in her book. And um I know that uh she is also a fan of the Seth material which is written um channeled through Jane Roberts in the 60s and 70s. And um if you if you're at all curious about the nature of reality and oversouls and all that, check out the Seth material. It's it's pretty interesting. Um, sometimes my brain hurts when I try and think about things like that. Like I'm so surprised how clueless most of us are as we live our lives. That, we, But yet sometimes you meet people and you have like this instant connection. And mm-hmm. I think in some ways this explains that, whether it, they're part of your oversoul or just like a soul family. Um, other, yeah, you know, is that I, I'm wondering yep, like what that you think? feeling. Everybody has said that before. Where you meet someone, and you're like, I feel like I've known you my whole life. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I I definitely believe that that's a recognition on a deeper level, for sure. Mhm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's so fascinating. So Julia mm-hmm. also talks about near death experiences quite a bit. Um, and and what you know, people experience when that happens to them and that sense of going to a light. And it's it's pretty interesting. So she covers a lot of that in the book. And then she starts 
um, to discuss the what she calls the social construction of the afterlife and how our current experiences, whether we were born into a religion, you know, we're Christian or we're Jewish or we're Buddhist, um, it, have we been exposed to the idea of karma and all, all these things um, all play a part in what kind of afterlife you'll experience, which I think is a fascinating idea that our, yeah. our, we shape, just like we shape our current reality here, we shape what happens after we die. What do you think, Rachel? <laughs> That's a tough well, one Well, that kind of brings it into the notion that our incarnation continues and that it's not that we just go back to our natural state because our natural state is really oneness. Um, it's that we continue our incarnation as our own identity beyond death. And so I think that that's really interesting. Yeah. Yes. And, and she talks about that and the fact that, like you said, like there is this oversoul and you're a piece of that, but you'll always remain, you always have your individual identity. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, Logically, this gets really muddy <laughs> for me. <laughs> like she talked well, about. Well, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, you can think about it as just so when we die, we we stay, right, Rachel or Megan, for a little while longer, but we just go to a different place, right? We're in a we're in a gaseous state, if you want to think of it like that, um, and and it, yeah, it, it is a little interesting because we do so many things after we die. We have jobs, we have responsibilities, we have school, we have, you know, meetings with the people that we've missed and that we weren't incarnated with and we have reunions and it we have a very full life after we die and we can still remain um whatever personality state we want. We can morph our looks, our identity, um all sorts of things. Wow. And you speak of it so fluidly. Do you feel like you have memory of that, or? Um... Well, it's like a, a triad. So I have memory of it. I, whenever I do a reading for another person, um, not a medium reading, but just a regular reading, I will see possible jobs that they've had. Like I'll see visions of them working as a, you know, planet creator or an engineer, or some, you know flying a ship, and so I'll have visions of that. But then, you know, I was a medium for such a long time, and people would, you know, deceased people would tell me what they were doing and um, what their plans were and who they were meeting up with, and I'd kind of see all sorts of parties and reunions and stuff like that. Even your pets will show up after you die. Wow. Wow. Well, yeah, so in, in Julia's book, she, you know, talks a bit about this and, and just how our current state of mind and beliefs and social conditioning all affect, you know, how we experience the afterlife, especially very immediately after, and then um, things morph and change as, as you spiritually grow. So pretty interesting area. Um, and then she talks about, um dying death and beyond and and how we leave the body i remember you talking to me one time and you told me that you were in a car with some friends and there was a car accident a little bit ahead of you and that you you actually saw somebody leave their body yeah it was it was just almost like what you would picture it would look like in a movie like um like a glowing kind of wispy orbish type thing shooting right up into the sky. Yeah. Wow. So <laughs> yeah. Well Julia, you know, talks she's been at the bedside of people who have passed and, and she sees it uh, basically in that kind of way. And so she in the book she talks about uh the different types of um 
things that she's seen and and how oftentimes people leave like through the top of their head, although sometimes they do just lift out of their body almost like a uh, an ethereal version of your human body just sort of lifts out. It's it's so fascinating to read about. Mm-hmm. I I personally have not seen anything like that, but. You never know. <laughs> yeah, I've never been with someone who is dying either, and I'm really, I, I love that. Like a lot of hospice nurses will say that the people who are about to pass will feel lots of people in the room, you mm-hmm. know, or they'll be reaching their arms out and what they call air picking. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's almost like they're trying to reach out to someone, right? Like. Someone's reaching out their hand. And I can imagine what it would look like in the room, but I've never actually witnessed it, and I think that would be so touching just to see everyone kind of show up and and escort that person into the afterlife. I think yeah. that would be amazing. And if everyone could see it that way, it might change our our view of, you know, we might soften a little bit, right, if we knew that there will be people there bringing us and it wouldn't we wouldn't be doing it alone i watched an interesting documentary about near-death experiences and um and there was a pediatrician who was extremely open and open to spirituality and life after death and so forth and he was saying how uh upwards of 15 percent of our health care costs in this country are spent in the last couple days of a person's life, like in intensive care and all these dramatic, expensive procedures and things that we do to people that are, whose lives are coming to an end. And Mm -hmm. he said, if we just had a better understanding that, you know, death is not the end, that everything is okay, that you will be greeted and the transition will be beautiful. You know, in the physical sense, we could save a lot of money and a lot of hardship and and drama if we just accepted that instead of fighting it tooth and nail to the bitter end. Um, I thought it was an interesting point, especially from a doctor's perspective. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I just listened to a podcast about our cancer drug. That cost $80,000, but would only extend your life by 42 days. Wow. Yeah, $42,000 a day. (laughs) Worth $80,000. And one of the major cancer hospitals in the country actually boycotted the drug because they didn't think it was worth it. And so what it started was this big debate about what is life worth? What is an extra month worth to you? And it was a fascinating, you know, interview with all these different people because they even went to the street and asked people, what is an extra month worth to you? And people had so many questions, like, do I have to pay the money back? Where would I get the money? What would the <laughs> month be like? Would I be healthy? Would I not? You know, and and it's interesting, but we don't really think about life like that until the end, right? Like. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of cliches about live like you're dying and, you know, what would you do if you only had a year to live? And sometimes that can spur us into changing our momentum, but often it really doesn't. And, yeah, it's it's an interesting thing. Death does so much to us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I think how many wars are fought over religion, right, mm-hmm. which is just theories on why we're here and where we're going and and people are you know shedding blood over this very topic in a way like if if we if we knew i suppose the mystery i don't know what we'd do as humans if we absolutely knew that this was a temporary experience and that you know you you are not annihilated upon death i think our planet would be so different so so different yeah, um, I, I think we would have more room in our hearts as well for um, relationships because we're in such a, you know, mono relationship culture where 
you can only have one love interest at one time. And I just think back to the fact that I, I right after my grandmother died, I used to have, <laughs> I used to invite all the relatives over for holidays who had passed. So it would be a bunch of living people in the room, and then I would invite all of the deceased relatives, and they could, you know, I would translate for them, and they could talk and give messages and hang around. Because uh, when you're dead, you can do that. You can show up as a certain, you know, person, and you can be funny and still retain your personality. So it was hilarious. But after a while, nobody wanted them around anymore because they had moved on. And it's like, once you have a new wife or once you have a new husband, you don't necessarily want your other one coming around because it feels weird. It almost feels guilty or like you're cheating on them. It makes the other person feel uncomfortable. And so I think if we accepted more that we can live in different states and it's okay to love more than one person and it just kind of brings up a whole other level of maturity that we're moving into as a species but that we're not quite there yet. Hmm. Hmm. Boy, your dinner parties must have been super <laughs> interesting and fun. <laughs> it was fun, you know, while it lasted, but... Yeah, yeah. Alas, <laughs> not everyone wants to talk to great Aunt Fanny who died, you know. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So, well, I think that... um you know, so many people have such interesting experiences and, and do sometimes have contact with people that are, are gone. They just maybe don't recognize it. Um, but if, if anyone listening has had an experience, they want to share it even on our Facebook page, you know, feel free to do so. We'd love to hear your stories. Yeah. Um, Um, I think it's great that when people come in to have a medium reading, um, you know, who they get to show up is that person in their prime. Like the person showing up, uh, the deceased person showing up to be read is, you know, they'll show up in the year that they felt the best, you know, with the hairstyle they loved the best, with any clothing on that they felt the best in. And, you know, if they were shy, they'll be shy during the reading. If they were boisterous, they'll come in, you know, screaming. It's so cool to see that we can retain that amount of control over who we were and, like, we can show ourselves as anything that we want to show ourselves as. I just think that that's really neat. And, yeah. And for the person doing the reading, like, for the medium, that is so helpful because, like if the person had a cane or no leg or they loved a certain coat, those little details are what connect the the medium to the person coming in for the reading. You know, mm-hmm. it's how they'll know that their loved one is actually showing up. So spirits are really smart. And, and just like with you, Megan, like they'll show up for you in the way that you need them to or the easiest way that they can get to you. I love that story you have about um, about the peppers. Do you want to tell that story? Oh yeah, <laughs> um, I I lost a friend a year ago. It's just about the one year anniversary last week. It was, and um, his name was Bob, and he went through a really uh, long ordeal with ALS, and it it was it was hard for all of us as, as friends and family. But uh, he finally did pass, and I I felt really down about. It. I used to sometimes go and visit him, and and so I was home. It was a day later, I think, and um, I had this. Uh, I was really sad about him, but I felt like cooking, which I thought was strange. I was like, wow! I and I in particular really wanted roasted red peppers, and I knew I had them in the cabinet. And and I just, I wanted them. And I thought, all right, well, it's a little weird. I'm having a food craving, but okay, I'll go with it. And so I decided, okay, I'm going to make an omelet. I looked up a recipe that sounded fun. And so I went into the kitchen and I grabbed my roasted red pepper jar and I opened it up and I felt compelled to just look at the top of the lid of the peppers. And it was my friend's birthday. 
printed on the lid as a, you know, sell by date or something. And it was his birthday. And I just, I just had to laugh. And I thought, well, Bob, I, I think you're around. I totally hear you. And I saved that lid. I think it's here in my office. And it just made me happy that he was just telling me I'm still here and in such a just a unique way. So it was interesting. And I remember the the other thing that happened with him is um, I remembered the the clothing that I chose to wear to his services. And um, so then I had washed that shirt and I hung it in my closet. And I just chose not to wear it for a while. Sometimes I'm like that when I wear a particular piece of clothing to, to something that had a lot of emotion for me. I, I just choose not to wear it for a while. And so it was a number of months later, I think it was in the spring, and, and I thought, all right, I think I'm ready to wear this dark green shirt again. And I pulled it out of the closet, it was hung up, and there was a little white feather just stuck on the front of the shirt. And again, I I don't know, I it was definitely kind of, I think, a symbol and um, a little something from Bob just saying that he's okay. So, yeah. Yeah, I love that. They yeah. do. They care about us. They come comfort us. They give us messages. And sometimes they come through other people. But they're definitely there, you know, and we are their priority in the beginning. Often mm-hmm. it takes them a few days to kind of orient to being dead. <laughs> you know, it's sometimes quite a shock for them. And depending on their energy level, sometimes they can't just, speak to us. Sometimes they can't just show up and, um, you know, give us what we want from them, like a hug or, or a message in person. Sometimes they have to go through other means, like showing us a date or putting mm-hmm. a feather on something or mm-hmm. coming into a dream. Um, it's really quite interesting. And a lot of times what they'll do is they'll touch your hair or your neck or they'll kind of give you some kind of physical interaction to let you know that they're okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I think you just have to be aware and, and open to it. And the nice thing is, is at the end of Julia's book, she has a whole section about making contact. And so if anyone's listening and they've lost someone and they really, really would like, you know, to, to try and make contact. Uh, she's got some really good information at the end of the book about how to do that, how to prepare yourself, how to prepare your environment, and um, setting your intention, and grounding yourself and protecting yourself um, as you open to making contact. So I think it's a it's a really helpful part of the book, even if you're not so interested in reading about reincarnation and social construction of the afterlife, just the how to make contact is is great info in there. Yeah. And, you know, some people believe that you can't learn how to do that, but I'm not one of them. And obviously Julia isn't either. I believe everybody has the ability to to speak with um, people who have passed on and make contact with them and just practice, you know, be open and practice. Yeah. Yep. Yep. For me, you know, I just find the more relaxed I am, the more information comes to me. And, um, you know, I remember a few months ago just waking up in the morning, just laying in bed, and um, I was really, really relaxed and had um, just no worries on my mind or anything. And I totally experienced uh, feeling someone come and kiss my cheek. And maybe my husband's cheek, too, is the sensation. And and it wasn't like a physical um, kiss on the cheek, but it was a energetic. I could actually feel, you know, something coming towards me and then feeling that feeling of a you, you were just, you know, given a little kiss on the cheek. And I thought to myself, okay, that just happened. That totally just happened. So in my mind's. Um, voice I asked who is this and I did get a name and it was the name of my husband's grandmother but she she went by Susie 
This is what I heard, and um, and I always knew her as Susan. And to me, Susie and Susan are not the same. You know, it's, people usually go by one or the other. And um, so I asked my husband very casually, <laughs> um, I said, did your grandmother ever go by Susie? And he said, oh, yeah, definitely. And, um, and, that, and that's when I knew that, you know, we had been visited, and it was such a cool experience. Um, so, yeah, these things can happen. You just... Just allow that. Allow it. Yeah. Yep. We're not so different, you know. We're just in different states. Yeah. And and I kind of see it as, you know, the afterlife for us and how I was talking about it's like a an extension of this incarnation. It's like a transitional period. You know, we can go be in a different state and we can get used to the fact that we were playing a game and we were so limited and we do have access to all that bigger knowledge like you were intuiting as a kid mm. um, and then we can play around and unwind and kind of have a little vacation and then see where we want to go next mm-hmm. you know do we mm-hmm. want to go to that other planet on the other side of the universe <laughs> or do we want to um, be somebody's guide you know we, we have a lot of choices and mm-hmm. what we can do yeah, you know what? Other books were really supportive for me were um, The Journey of Souls and Destiny of Souls by Michael Newton. Those, yeah, very those, much. Yeah, really interesting books. And I remember The Journey of Souls. I just was in a, a used bookstore in my husband's hometown, um, and I remember just saying, okay, uh, let me just be guided to a book I need to read. And I was just really open. Of course, I was in the spirituality section because that was where my interests were lying. But there was a whole bunch of things. And I didn't exactly feel like just looking through book after book. And I that one just sort of jumped off the shelf. And very interesting about past life regression. And it goes into life planning, like what happens between lives, basically. And, and uh so it's a fascinating read, and it's, it gives you a different perspective on on um, how things are planned for us and played out. We have free will, but there's also sort of general plans out there. So mm-hmm. another good another good book. Awesome. So anyway, so well, we will yeah. have Julia Asante on the show on the 10th of February. So yeah. make sure you read her book so you can ask her some questions or just listen along and get the most out of the conversation. Next week, we're talking about food and how it affects us. Um, and so if you have any food stories, you can get those ready for us. And thanks for being part of our afterlife discussion. This was really fun. Yeah, it was good. I like it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So um, we can continue the conversation on Facebook anytime. If ever something comes up or you have an interesting story or experience, feel free to share. And you can find us at facebook.com forward slash soulfulpreneur. And we also have a website, soulfulpreneur.com. And full has two L's. And there's always info up there uh, about the shows that are coming up. And we have an archive of all of our past shows as well. Yep. You can subscribe to us on Stitcher or iTunes to make it easy for listening. And um, we really welcome your comments and such on Facebook. Let us know how you're feeling. Let us know what shows you want us to do. And we will take that into consideration. Well, thank you. Well, awesome, Rachel. Well, thanks for sharing some of your really cool stories. And um, I always love to hear um, about all of the interesting experiences you've had with spirits and stuff. So much fun. Yeah, me too. I love talking about that stuff. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, um, we will play the announcements. We're part of the Enlightenment Evolution Network, and there's lots of other radio shows on during the week. And so we will let you know what's coming up uh, with this recording. But uh, anyway, thank you for listening, and goodbye for now. Bye. Hi, this is Karen Newman from the show About Oneness, and here's what's coming up on the week starting on Monday, January the 12th, 
until Sunday, January the 18th on the Enlightenment Evolution Network 1 and 2. Simply put, Rob Gauthier, founder of the EEN and the host of the show that started it all, the Enlightenment Evolution Hour has put together the greatest metaphysical radio network ever. Seven days a week, we have shows that will aid you on your path to enlightenment, evolution, and ascension. On EEN1, on Mondays, 7.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 10.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, is Heart to Heart Talk Radio with your host, Daniel Scranton. Join Daniel and his featured guests discussing a wide variety of metaphysical topics. Daniel channels the Creators, the Hathors, Ophelia the Fairy, Archangel Michael, and the latest, the Unicorn Collective. Daniel and his guests will take phone calls and questions, and it's sure to generate high-frequency discussions. You can find more about Daniel at his website, danielscranton.com, and also on Facebook. Go to the events tab on Daniel's website to learn more about Daniel's upcoming events. On Monday, Daniel's guest will be the channeler Serge Granbois. Serge is a channeler who's been working with an entity by the name of Chris for many years. They will discuss Serge's journey as a channel and as a human being, and he will be channeling Chris, taking your calls and questions. On Tuesday, noon Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, please join hosts Megan Crandomeyer and Rachel Archelaus for Radio Inspiration, Expression, and Abundance for their show, Soulfulpreneur. Spiritual business specialists Rachel and Megan will bring you inspiring conversations with people who are living their sole purpose. Frequent guests include psychic mediums, channelers, coaches, artists, and authors. They will end every show with psychic reading and business coaching. Your questions about your spiritual business or life purpose are welcome. Wednesday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 6 p.m. Pacific, is the show that started it all, the Enlightenment Evolution Hour with host Rob Gothier. Rob channels Trev on the first Wednesday of each month and will take callers' questions. On the third Wednesday, he will have special guests such as guest channelers and other metaphysical teachers. The other two Wednesdays are freestyle call-in shows to discuss whatever callers have on their minds. Tune in to Rob on Wednesday nights, and you can also find him at TrebChanneling.com and also on Facebook at the Enlightenment Evolution Network group page. Rob has a few special announcements. Every Sunday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 6 p.m. Pacific, TrebChanneling.com hosts an hour-long meditation class. Please go to TrebChanneling.com to register. From April 3rd to April 5th, 2015, you can spend three days with Treb and Ardeef in Asheville, North Carolina during the lunar eclipse. This is a three-day workshop on channeling. Only 30 spots are available. And on September 19th, Treb Channeling presents the Channel Panel, Awakening from Within. Channelers include Lee Harris, Sean Swanson, Daniel Scranton, Nora Harold, Wendy Kennedy, Brad Johnson, Sean Randall, and Rob Gothier. This incredible live event is available in person and also on live stream. The cost of admission is $120 per day or $200 for both days, and on live stream, $50 per day or $100 for both. Go to TrebChanneling.com to purchase it. Thursday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 6 p.m. Pacific. Join host Philip Malika with the Consciousness Evolution Hour. Join Philip and his special guests and co-hosts as they discuss the shift, ascension, timelines, metaphysical concepts, and the fifth dimension. Find Philip at the Consciousness Evolution 2.0 group on Facebook and also on YouTube. Fridays, The Earth Experience with Kalina Angel, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 6 p.m. Pacific. The Earth Experience explores our soul's expansion through our human experiences on Earth. Kalina will help you navigate and expand through the exciting confusions that we are manifesting as new 5D beings. Saturdays, 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Victoria Vives Kyung hosting Earth Sky People Radio, living in harmony with Mother Earth and awakening to an intergalactic society, bringing to you greater awareness regarding star seeds and extraterrestrial life, living in harmony with one another, with Mother Earth and with life beyond the Earth, the transformative power of music, frequency, and sound, shamanism, ancestral wisdom, and star nations, Intentional Community, Self-Sustainable and Regenerative Living, the Interstellar Alliance on Planet Earth and Becoming Part of an Intergalactic Society, and much, much more. See all the details at victoriavives.com forward slash radio. On Saturday, January 17th at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Earth Sky People with your host, Victoria Vives-Kyung, will be offering a health-intensive 
sharing about the top five health secrets nobody talks about. And co-hosting with Victoria will be her husband, Nian Kyung. He is the co-founder of Earth Sky People and has worked professionally in the health, fitness, and medical industries for 15 years, including running a private practice in acupuncture and traditional Chinese medicine. Make sure to submit your questions for this upcoming health show at victoriavivas.com forward slash contact. Also, if you're in the Los Angeles area, you can join the One Year Energy Healer Apprenticeship and the Crystal Healer Course for a life-changing experience. Just go to ReikiWellbeing.org. Space is limited. On Sundays, 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 11 a.m. Pacific, is my show about oneness. About Oneness is a weekly radio program focused on celebrating the ongoing conscious awakening of our planet and our realization of oneness. The show for me is about integrating all of my experiences and following my highest excitement, which is tapping into the truth of the universe. If you would like to learn more about me, my upcoming guests, as well as see many videos of channelings and teachings, you can go to aboutoneness.com. My guest on Sunday, January the 18th, is medium Crystal Vendenacher from the Netherlands. Crystal is a medium, channel, and Reiki master, and one of my dearest friends. The topic of the show will be letting go and letting it flow. On EEN Network 2, on Saturday evenings, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 6 p.m. Pacific, the Pied Piper and Texas Rebel hosting the show, Disclosure Now. Disclosure Now is the on-the-edge-of-our-seat show that covers all topics of disclosure, from the world's most famous and obscure UFO cases to cryptozoology, conspiracy, and all things that go bump in the night. Pied Piper started his journey in Michigan in 1993 as a preteen seeing Bigfoot and never could get enough in investigating all things paranormal. Texas Rebel is a wild Texas man who loves the same journey and has studied these same things for years. Join them as they cover all things in the human experience that just cannot be answered by anyone. And remember, you never have to miss any show on the Enlightenment Evolution Network 1 or 2. All shows are available to listen to immediately after they air on playback. Or you can go to the Enlightenment Evolution Network YouTube page and see all shows after they air. All right, back to the show.